right on my heart as we were standing there and Dave was talking about the offering and he was talking when he said in this project and this project and this project it just came up real strong in my heart you know we do have several projects going on but you know what we should stand up right now and thank God and thank every person that gave into this and pray for their harvest on the seed they sowed into that seat you're sitting in right now. Because without them, you wouldn't have a seat that you're sitting in right now. And we wouldn't have a church that we're in right now. And there wouldn't be carpet here. And there wouldn't be a podium here. And there wouldn't be a platform here. And there wouldn't be a light here. So let's do it, guys. Let's stand up. Because, you know, that's how you get more is when you're thankful for what you got. And that's the only way to get anything else is to be thankful for what you got. So everybody think of something and look around you, and whether it's a light or it's a platform, or it's a plant, it's a speaker, it's a piano, it's an organ, it's a chair, it's a podium, it's a screen, it's a whatever it is, get something on your heart that ministers to you, something in the kids, something in the parking lot, something, something on your heart. And thank God for it because it was their funds and maybe some of your funds, but somebody's offerings from some place all over the world that helped to get this place up and going so we could be having church here and now today right so father god we do right now come to you and worship you and thank you for bringing these people's funds into this church so that we could have church now father we thank you that they were faithful to listen to you father in the small things or the big things father no matter how small or how big you laid it on their heart and they obeyed you and here we are father so we just ask you now and we come into agreement as touching this thing that we ask you that you would multiply back to them many many fold in whatever area that they're believing for father that their finances would come in speedily father to meet the need that they're believing for now in Jesus name we claim it with them and we agree as touching it so be it and everybody that agreed with that said Amen. Thank you for them, Lord. Glory to God. Well, you can be seated. Glory, glory, glory. I, you know, that just came on my heart. We do have a few projects, but you know, we got to be thankful because we wouldn't have this. So uh, we should really, really be thankful. So, and you know, somebody said they were cold, so um, we won't do a project for it, but we will do this. We will get you blankets like we have in Branson. <laughs> we looked for them. We really already have. And um, we have to be very careful about them because you don't want to just get, you think it's real easy just to go out and buy a blanket. Well, it's not because then you get lint all over everything that everybody around you is wearing. And if the guy next to you has on a black coat, well, then he complains. Oh, you, you don't understand. This is a church. It's not your house. So people do have the right to complain. And so you have to be very, very careful about everything you do so that nobody gets to complain because I don't like complaining. You know, so we, we look for some blankets and stuff, and so we'll make sure that we get some that everybody can use, and then we're able to accommodate everyone because, um, you know, you've got, I won't be crude or anything, but you've got um, nice young ladies, and you've got ladies in their 60s that, that the temperature could fluctuate in five minutes, you know? And so um, uh, there's impossibilities uh, of keeping the temperature just perfect for everyone, so just bear with us, and we'll get it all right. Yeah, and people are already going like this and some are going like this right now so you know we'll get it right so y'all believe with us well we started on a message a few weeks ago does anybody remember what it was 
One person remembers. Yay! It was called Jesus Service Teams. And um, I started something that I hadn't done before, and uh, it's called a series. And Keith was pretty pretty pleased with me, actually. And uh, today he said, Phil, I wanted to ask you something. I said, what's that? He said, um, I wondered if maybe um, I could use those notes sometime and not tell nobody that they were yours. And I said, now how many years have I done that to you? That would just be perfectly great. He said, you know, that's good stuff, you know. And so I said, yeah, you can. I said, but I actually want to get into it tonight. I want us to go just a little bit further tonight than what we have gone before because the first few weeks I talked to you about Keith and I and how we met and how we got in the ministry. How many of you remember that? Yeah. And then the next week we talked about the connections that we made and all the people that God brought across our path and all the influences that we have in our lives today because of the people that he brought across our path. And today, as I was thinking about it, I I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, the first song that Keith ever got in the spirit, we were in this little meeting and this guy that we barely knew just called him out and said, Brother Keith, come up here. And uh, he said, okay. And he had never done this before. And so he says, okay. He says, you got something? He said, no. And he said, well, just come on up here anyway. He said, just go to the piano and sit there till you get it. <laughs> now that's people that know how to hear from God. And they're not scared of what's going on and not scared of somebody that's going to do something weird or not scared that somebody's going to do something crazy. And they can hear from God. And I believe that that's what we need to be, is people that can hear from God and not get all flaky and weird. And, and we can help to train people and get them in the places that they need to be. And we don't have to be too concerned about somebody that's going to do something off the wall because you're not afraid that you can't hear from God. And we never have been. So we want to get everybody in the place that they need to be and where they're supposed to be. And then we'll all get to do exactly what we're supposed to do and accomplish exactly what we're supposed to be accomplishing for the Lord. Today I was listening to my Bible program and I didn't have this in my notes. And I don't talk fast. Can you tell? I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, But I was listening to my Bible program and this verse came up and I thought, you know what, that goes really good with this. So I'm just going to tell you about it, but it's not really what I wanted to tell you about, but I'll tell you anyway. You know, Zebedee's mother, you know, she came to Jesus and she said, um, um, I want to ask you for a favor. Now, how many of you's mother has ever done anything that embarrassed you before? I'm telling you, your mom can do things that embarrass you lots. Well, Zebedee's mother had to embarrass the two boys that day. Because she says, Jesus, how about this? How about... You let my boys sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, I know those two boys wanted to crawl under a rock when she said that. But um, he said, well, that's not mine to give. But I do want you to look at it for just a second and see what he did say. It said something about who of you wanted to be the greatest. Look at Matthew 20, 26 in the NIV. And you don't even have to turn there. They'll put it on the screen for you. So I won't make you turn like Keith does. Y'all just watch the screens for just a minute. We'll get it that way. Matthew 20, 26. Cherie's pretty quick on that stuff. NIV, if you can, Cherie. And I'll turn to it and I'll start reading it if she didn't have it. There you go. Uh, Let's see. That's not quite where I want to get. Maybe I'm at the wrong place. If I can find Matthew. 
You know what we are doing? I'm so excited about. We're making some Bible cards with all the books of the Bible on it. They should be here before too long. They're going to be really nice too. I'm excited about that. Okay, it says um, in verse 26, uh, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you. Now, who wants to be great? Don't tell a lie. Everybody wants to be greater than what they are. Everybody wants to accomplish something and do something. And, and everybody tries to pretend like when somebody's looking, no, I don't want to be great. But who don't want to be of any value? Everybody wants to be of some value, right? I mean, we're not valueless. We were paid a great price for, so we want to have some value. So you do want to be have some greatness about you, right? You don't want to just be thrown in the waste can. So uh, you do want to have some greatness about you. But if you want to have some greatness about you, this is what it says that you're supposed to do. It says, whoever wants to be uh, great among you, you must, uh, must become your servant. Now, I find that pretty interesting, right? And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, we talked about, I want to go back before you get too scared and read our verse for this series. Don't get scared on me now. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified said this. Remember this. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which he predestined and planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living what? The good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. He prepared and prearranged a good life and he made it ready for us to live. Right? That's what that verse says. Now let me ask you the million dollar question. And you don't even have to have a million to answer it. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we here? Now, we are getting older and older every day. I know we're getting better looking, but we're still getting older. Every day, the clock is going tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Every day. And every day, we get up and ask ourselves, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we here? Now you made, I don't know, a good year for some people, 60,000, 100,000, 200,000, I don't know. And you spent it all. And you worked the whole, every minute of your life doing it. And you worked in your 20s. If you're like me, you started when you were a teenager. How many of you started working when you were a teenager? How many of you did not start working when you were a teenager? Raise your hands high. Three, four, five, maybe ten people in the whole room. Mama's raising one hand for them. <laughs> maybe ten people in the whole room. 
Now, of everybody in the room, now we got a few people in here tonight, of everybody in the room, did you really accomplish what you set out to accomplish when you were a teenager? Duh. It's like, okay, where's plan B? We didn't get to do that, and we got pregnant, and this didn't happen, and, well, this happened, and we lost that job, and we didn't get that car, and we didn't get that house, and we had to go this way instead of that way, and we had to zig when we thought we were going to zag, and nothing turned out the way we thought it was going to turn out, and here we are, and duh. But, you know, that's what the devil's plan has been all along is to keep you distracted and off the path that God had planned for you all along, keep you focused on making that dollar to make ends meet, to keep you from doing what God had planned for you to do all along, the whole reason you were born to begin with. Because guess what? You're going to die. Or... Jesus is going to come and you're going to be raptured. And I don't care if we had to work every day, guys. I worked, I worked from the time I was 13 years old. I worked the secular world until a few years ago when I went into the ministry with my husband and I wished I could get back into the secular world when I had to go to work for my husband. Don't tell him I said it, Okay. Y'all did really good not telling him all my stories that I told. Yay. I mean, it's a transition when you've been working for somebody else and you go to work for your husband, you know, and you're with them 24-7. It's quite a transition. But, I mean, I worked, I worked and 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 worked. I mean, and I had a little money, but you know what? It didn't mean anything. And you would just beat yourself up. But working is not the problem. So the problem that you get is people say, well, either you work for God or you don't work. No, that's not what God intended. God intended that we do work, but what do we do when we do work? He puts us in situations and he puts us in places. Every single person that you come in contact with You should be thinking, why am I here, God? Why do you have me here? It's not for this dollar that I'm getting on Friday afternoon. Why do you have me here? You have me here for a reason, God. You have me here for a purpose. You have me here because of your plan and because of your paths. I'm supposed to be learning something here, and I'm supposed to be helping somebody here. What's the reason that you have me here? And it's not just to pay your light bill. Because guess what? Next year the light bill is going to be due. And next year the light bill is going to be due. And the next year the light bill is going to be due. And the next year the light bill is going to be due. And you're going to get old and gray and the light bill is still going to be due. And Jesus is going to come or you're going to die and there's still going to be a light bill. And what did you accomplish? There's more of a reason that we're here than just paying your light bill every month. It's who did you come in contact with that day?
What was your plan? What path did you take that day? Did you stop at a grocery store? Did you stop at a mall? Did you stop at work? What about the person in the little cubicle next to you? Who did you come in contact with? Well, God has a plan and a purpose for every person that's in this room. And it's not just to get your paycheck on Friday afternoon. And it's not just to go to work every day. And you should work because he has a plan for you being on that job. You know, when we started in the ministry, I had zero call to do ministry. Keith was in the ministry and I worked. And I worked to put him through Rama, and I worked after he got through Rama, and he continued to volunteer, and I continued to work. And I thought, you know what? This has absolutely nothing to do with the plan of God on my life. Absolutely nothing. While he was going to Rama, the Lord just kept dealing with me, do these things, because he was studying a lot, so I had a little extra time. Get your real estate license, okay? Got my real estate license, sold real estate for a while. Get your interior design degree, okay? Got my interior design degree. Now, I didn't have a clue that 30 years later I was going to be building churches. But you know what? There's somebody smarter than me. He's way smarter than me. And if we do the things that he leads us to do along the way, he's going to have us taking that step and taking that step and taking that step and doing everything that we're supposed to do to be in the exact right path for the what life? The good life that he has prearranged and planned for us to live. But in order to live that good life, we've got to understand that there's more of a reason for us being here than just getting our paycheck and buying a new pair of shoes and getting our nails done or or, uh, buying a new car or getting a new house. How many of you ever just really, 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 really wanted that new car and you got it? I mean, you really, 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 I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You wanted a new car and you got it. Raise your hand. You really did. Was it still just a car when you got it? What about six months later? It was still just a car when you got it. And those payments and that insurance were still just payments and insurance. And it just didn't mean as much to you as you thought it would. But you know, there are things that do mean something to you. There's things that will satisfy you on the inside like no car is going to, like no house is going to, like no shoes are going to, like nothing you've ever done is going to. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Are you ready for it? Well, let's do it just a little bit. And I was telling you that I never felt called to the ministry. I felt called to help Keith. Just like, you know what Keith's commission was for 30 years? Help Brother Hagen. Whatever that meant, that's what he was supposed to do. If it meant mop the floors, if it meant drive a car, if it meant uh, sing a song, if it meant clean his room, if it meant fly to another state, that's what we did for decade after decade after decade because that's what the Lord told him to do was help Brother Hagen. Well, it led to him teaching in the school. It led to him teaching on the platform. It led to him teaching at healing school, which led to 
Gloria Copeland hearing the tapes from healing school, which led to Brother Copeland wanting to hear his stuff, which led to a whole path of things because he was sitting on the front row at healing class, which led to him teaching on the broadcast last week. Right? Which led to millions of people getting ministered to. Paths to the good life. But if you don't take the first step, you're never going to get to the last step. And the first step can seem so dumb and so small and seem so meaningless and seem so valueless. It's so important that you don't miss the first step because the devil will do everything in his power to get you to miss the very first step of your plan for your life. I don't care if you've missed it for 60 years. you still got to get back to the plan of what God planned for your life to get to where he wants you to be. It's never too late. In order to get everything that God has for you, I just totally believe that God is so merciful and so kind. I don't care if you've missed it from the time you were 17 till the time you're 70. He will get you when you're 70 years old, get you on that path, and speed it up and give you everything that you're supposed to have from the time you're 70 till the time you're 80. If you'll do it. If you'll do it. Because he loves us. He's not against us. He's for us. And any time that we take that step to turn and do what he wants us to do, he's right there to help us and lift us up and turn us in the right direction and give us everything we need to do it and give us all the support we need and give us all the people we need and give us everything that we need because that's who he is. So all I felt led to do all those years was help Keith. Okay, so I start out, help Keith. Well, we start out traveling, so I help Keith pack the suitcases. Okay, so I help Keith. We do the offerings. Okay, so I help Keith pay the bills. Okay, so I help Keith stamp a letter. Okay, so I help Keith make tapes. Okay, so I help Keith. I mean, we did that decade after decade. Then one day, God says, move to Branson. I said, okay, let's move to Branson. God says, uh, that's the building. He says, start a church. I think, start a church? So we helped Keith, and we started a church. Do you know God was right there with help and wisdom on how to do it? And that's what he'll be with you, is help and wisdom how to do it. I'm going to pick on Dave. I always pick on Dave. The day we started the church, you know I told you about the carpet, the person that had the carpet. You remember I told you about that, the first story, the first night? That's him. And you know the guy that stole the 500 tapes of God Loves Me and Gave Him Away? Remember I told you about that? That's him. And he's been there from the first day, helping. From the first day. No matter what the path leads you to, whether it's sweeping the floors or whatever it is, it will get you from here to the end. But you got to start where he says start. Listen to this verse. Let's see if I can find it first. Luke 16.10. They'll put it up on the screen for us. This is King James. Josh, Cherie, I don't know who's up there. It says, He that is faithful in that which is least is also 
is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in the much. The NIV says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be be dishonest with much. And the Living Bible says, No, for unless you're honest in small matters, you won't be in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. People have never really understood the way that we have done things. And so I want to make it real clear as we're starting this new church so that we don't hurt anybody's feelings because feelings can be really sensitive with people. They don't understand why. Now, you, you can't laugh at this, but I'm... Yeah, you can laugh because it's really funny. Recently, the guys that had been here working... We worked on this building how long, Dave? A year and a half? A year and a half, went to a meeting, and someone came up to them. Now, we had been working 24-7 for a year and a half. I mean, non-stop, no eating sometimes, no sleeping sometimes. I ate cheeseburgers and pizzas, and you can tell it by looking at me. And we just went night and day. These people came up to these guys, one of the guys, and if you only knew him very well, you would know that it was a laughing matter, and said, this is what they said. They said, my husband is going to be the pastor of that church. God told us that, and we'll be there soon. Now, if it wouldn't have been for this guy uh, having a little bit of maturity about him, he probably would have decked them. Because now this guy had been working night and day on this building. We had never met these people. We don't know anything about these people. And they think that I'm going to work and sweat and be here night and day and toil and hear from God and believe God and use our faith and he's going to work and all of our people are going to work and God's going to do and God is going to just take somebody that has never been heard of out of the blue and bring them and set them in here? Find me the scripture for that. That's all i got to say. Find me the scripture for it and I'll believe it. I will find you a scripture, 1 Timothy 3. See, y'all got quiet on me. I just need, we just need to move forward. 1 Timothy 3 says, And let these also first be, what? Proved. Proved. 1 Timothy 3.10. Sheree will get it up there for us. And let these also first be proved. Then let them even be a deacon. Not a pastor, but a deacon. The Amplified says, And let them also be tried and investigated and be first proved. And if they turn out to be above reproach, 
then let them serve. And the Message Bible says, let them prove themselves first. If they show they can do it, then take them on. Now that's what the Bible says. And we have found out that in doing that, we have saved ourselves enormous amounts of heartaches that other people have had. Keith told me something years and years ago when I was working. I worked for a doctor's office. And I hired and fired, and we had at one point like 30 employees, and we were seeing something like uh, 150 patients a day. And I was over the office, and I managed the office and stuff. And I treated that office just exactly like I treat, would have treated it had it have been my very own. So much so that at one point, we hired on three more doctors. And the doctor looked at me one day, and he said, you know what? I'm totally confident that if something happened to me today, my family would be taken care of, that this place could run, it could be okay, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any concerns. Because of being faithful with another man's. Do you understand that principle? Well, in doing that, over the years, people have come to Dave and they've said, what would you do in a case like this at Faith Life Church? And he'll just look at him and he'll say, that would never happen at Faith Life Church. Well, why wouldn't it happen at Faith Life Church? Because we shut the doors before they open. We don't let the devil have any footholds. We don't give him place where there shouldn't be any place. That's what you should do in your house. You don't give the devil places he shouldn't have in your life. You let things be proven before you just jump in the boat with them. You don't get in an untested boat that you've never seen before and go out in the middle of the ocean. You know, I would not get in an airplane with a pilot I don't know to save my soul. I would not do it. I'm very particular about who flies me anywhere that I go, and my husband knows it. I won't get in an airplane with somebody that I don't know. I, I won't do it. Why? Because I know the skill that they have to have to fly that thing. I've seen it. And it's the same with you. It should be the very same thing with you. You should not let anybody that you hire just be somebody that you need to fill a position. And that's what my husband told me over 35 years ago. We were hiring people for the job, and we needed an x-ray tech. And I went home one day, and I was frustrated because I was having to deal with everything, and we didn't have an x-ray tech. We didn't have an x-ray tech, and I was just really frustrated about it. And he looked me square in the eye, and he said, it's more trouble to let somebody go that's in a wrong place than it is to move really slow and get the right person to start with. They can cause you way more trouble if they're in where they should never be there. Anybody ever found that out? It's a lot of trouble when a little yeast leavens the whole lump. It's a lot of trouble 
when you got a backbiter in a spot that shouldn't be there to begin with. It's a lot of trouble when you got somebody in a spot that they're not graced to do. It's not their place. God has a place for every person. And what people don't understand is no one can do your job for you. It does not matter how hard they try. No one is graced to do your job like you're graced to do it. I don't care how many times they stab you in the back. They cannot do your job like you. Dave and I have been here off and on. Now, you want to know the chain of command where Faith Life Church is concerned? It's Keith Moore, Keith Moore, Keith Moore. And he delegates everything to Phyllis than Dave. And that's the way it goes. But we've been here for the last two or three years, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's not confusing about people taking our place. There is no concerns that somebody's going to go in and take our place and do our jobs for us. It's not a concern that somebody can... We wish they could, would go in and take our place sometimes because it's still there when we get back. And that's the way your place is. It is secure. When God gives you a place, it is your place. No other man on the planet can take your place. It is your God-given place. People can try, but they can't take it. It's your place in God. Other people can uh, get, supposedly get you fired. Other people can supposedly do other things. But if they get you fired, it was never your place to begin with. Because the place that God has for you is your place. And it's ordained of Him, and no man can take it from you. You can lose it, but no man can take it from you. So what we do here is we put people in places at the direction of the Lord. There has always been applications for people to serve at Faith Life Church. And every time somebody fills out an application, it is a place for them to be able to minister to the Lord. And there is no greater thing for you to do than to minister to the Lord in some way. There's just not. And, and you should do it every day on your job. You should do it every day with every person you come in contact with in some way. Uh, smile, hug, laugh. Some way you should be able to minister to someone that you come in contact with. But as we were preparing for this, I came up with something that I had never seen before, and I want you to see it. So we're going to talk about what we started to talk about, and I know I've already been going a while, so y'all can hang on with me just a minute. Jesus' service teams. Did you know he had a service team? When we started Faith Life Church, Keith came up with the name service teams, and I didn't really know what it meant. But in seeing that... We put all these teams together, um, just as we just saw, the greatest thing to do that you can do is serve. If you want to be the greatest, then you become the greatest servant. The most humble person becomes the greatest person. It's just the opposite than the way the world sees it. 
If you want to get to the highest place on the ladder, it's not going to come by stabbing someone else in the back. So let's look at some of the teams that Jesus had. Now you've seen, I think, the clean team video that we had, and you've seen the usher team video that we had, right? Well, Jesus had a crusade team. Did you know that? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 4.19. in the King James Bible. And I am really excited about these because, you know, people all the time are saying, Lord, use me, Lord, use me, Lord, use me. Then he tells them to do something and they decide that's not what I want to be used for, so they don't get used. But God does want to use us. And he has a place for us and he has a grace for us. Jesus' crusade team starts out this way. In verse 19, it says, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Problem number one. Do you see it? Anybody see it? Come on, y'all got too quiet on me. Y'all can't do that or I'll we'll just stop and camp here for a while. First problem. Anybody see it? Follow! Somebody got it. You got to follow. What does follow mean? Somebody's leading. Follow means to come or go after, proceed behind it doesn't mean that you lead and you know what that was the hardest thing I had to learn in getting married Uh uh-huh you know I told you in the beginning that it was like I never finished the story that night that Keith and I Keith would tell me Phil it's kind of like you tie two cats and you tie their tails together and you throw them across a clothesline and you've got Well, the reason we had that was because his dad was the head of his house and my mom was the head of my house and you put the two heads together and you have Collision City because he thought he was going to run it his way and I was convinced I was going to run it my way. And you know what? Somebody had to give in. And I found out who that was. Guess who? The Bible says there can only be one head. Brother Hagen used to say this, anything with two heads is a freak. (laughs) He used to say it all the time. Anything with two heads is a freak. And you know he's right. You ever seen those two-headed monsters? Anything with two heads is a freak. You can't have two heads. There can only be one head. We have one head, the God. Head, God. He's the head. What did Jesus do? I only do what I see my father do. That's what he did. He followed his father. And that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what the wife is supposed to do. And I'll, I'll even close my eyes so I don't, because I'm not going to teach on that right now. 
as a wife is follow our husbands. And all the men said, and they're afraid to say it because their wives are sitting right next to them. But it's still the truth. And there's a lot of complication in that subject, but it's still the truth. But in doing that, it is the same way in the church. There's only one head. And that's why I said Keith gets the vision, and we do. And don't you get me wrong at all. Just like I said, it was a a change when I had to work for him. There are times that I think, I don't want to do it that way. Just like you did when you were two. But you know what? There's only one head. And when he hears from God, I follow. And that's what happens with these disciples. They're his crusade team. Watch what they did. You think he's the only one? Watch. Okay? And going on from thence... He saw two other brethren, James and uh, the son of Zebedee and his brother John in a ship and Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went out through all Syria and they brought unto him all who were sick And the people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and all that were possessed with devils and all that were lunatic and all that had the palsy, and he healed them. Now, how would you like to have been a part of that? Wouldn't that have been just glorious? What if you wouldn't have followed him? You wouldn't have seen it, right? Just that one word, following. And then there followed after him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Now Mark 10, 13 says this, and this is what I want you to get. It's too funny. You didn't know it was so funny, but listen to it. It's really funny. And while they were on this crusade, Jesus' crusade team was with him. Okay? Mark 10, 13. And they brought to him young children that they should touch him. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Now, you don't find that funny? I find it really, really funny. You know why? Because what's the next verse say? And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And said to them, suffer the little children to come unto me. That really, really, really blessed me as a leader. Let me tell you why. Because not only do I have troubles with... No, I have had in the past troubles with my employees doing what they're told to do or not asking before they do something. But Jesus had the same issues. Do you get it? His disciples just went off and told them, don't let the little kids come. And it misrepresented what he wanted. Right? Because he wanted the little children to come to him. So Jesus has a crusade team. So the very first thing you have to do 
if you're doing something with someone and you're serving with them is what? Follow them. And never assume that you already know the answer. You should always what? Ask them. Hey, Jesus, you want to see these little kids? How long does that take? Because you know they're close to Jesus. One of them even said, I lay my head on his chest. I'm the disciple Jesus loves. Right? I'm his favorite, just so y'all know that. I haven't taught y'all that yet, but just get ready. It's, you're going to learn it. Jesus has a crusade team. What's going on? They're doing this big meeting, right? He got upset. He got displeased because his crusade team wasn't doing what he wanted them to do. Right? So he took the time and taught them. So that's what happens when we have service teams. It's not that somebody really messes up something. It's just that's how we learn. Is we say, mm-mm, no, I do want the little kids to come unto me. And if it was me, I would be the same way. I've never said no to a little kid. Never. But Jesus has service teams. And all along, these guys are serving in different areas. You want to know another service team? Or you want to go home? Okay. Um, hospitality team. These are some of the same teams we have. We have a crusade team that goes with Keith. Well, we actually have one guy on our crusade team, but he's a crusade team. He has to go fetch stuff and go get the car and go do things, you know. And so we have a crusade team. And uh, a hospitality team. We have a hospitality team also. And they're really good at what they do. We have um, in Branson, we have um, people that come in. The Lord dealt with Keith that when people come into Branson, they're supposed to be, what's, what did he, refreshed and what? Come on, Dave, you're my helper. Huh? Uh, restored and refreshed or regenerated and refreshed. I don't know. It's a two R's. We know it's two R's, you know, we're, you know, but renewed. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, um, so a lot of times we'll do a, what is it, Janet? She's over my hospitality. There you go. Refreshed and renewed. There we go. And, uh, uh, we make baskets for them and Janet's over that area. And we, when we have pastors come into town, uh, a lot of times we'll put them in a hotel room and it overlooks the lake and we'll put a real nice basket there and, and uh, a lot of things and we'll take care of them, maybe get them some tickets to something or, and uh, they'll come in for the weekend and they'll rest and they'll get restored, you know, and built back up again, you know, because they've been out there in the desert, you know, and it's a good thing. So we have a hospitality team that does that sort of thing. And when we have ministers that come in, they minister to them and they'll do things for them and stuff. And this place isn't going to be any different. So we're going to have a nice hospitality team here. And there's going to be people that that's going to be their ministry. And it's going to be to make sure that people are taken care of and that they're ministered to. And they go away from here refreshed and renewed. 
And see, you can refresh and renew people just by loving on them. And maybe it's not ministers. Maybe it's just somebody that's coming here and they've been dealing with a family member that's had cancer for a year and they just come sit in this pew and or this chair and, and you happen to sit next to them and you don't even know it. But God deals with you just to love on them the whole time that they're here and you give them $50 or $100. And they get refreshed and renewed the whole time that they're here and you're loving on them and you're hugging on them and you're ministering to them and they're getting refreshed and renewed and you are a hospitality team within itself because you're ministering to them the whole time that they're here. That's what serving is about. And it ain't no money that you're going to get on a Friday afternoon going to minister to you like that person coming up to you and saying, do you know what that did for me? I was about ready to quit. I was about ready to throw in the towel. And you know what? I didn't have gas money to get home, but I knew I needed to get there and hear the word. I knew I had to get fed. I knew I was about to quit. And my wife had been sick for so long, and we just believed God. Let me tell you this story. Hospitality. Now, we didn't know anything about these people. They had been in the ministry how many years? Forty-eight? I think it was 48 years. Do you remember? More than that. Um, more than 48 years they had been in the ministry they came to our last was it week of increase week of increase and uh, we didn't know them from anybody we had never met them before their pastors okay and um, they came they sat down somehow through the grapevine we find out it's their 50th wedding anniversary so we went out and got them a picture frame and got a picture and put them in it and, and then uh, 50 roses and took it to their hotel room. And uh, they came that night. You talk about beaming. They were glowing from ear to ear. They said, we have been in the ministry for 40-something years. No one has ever done anything like that for us. Ever, in all of our years, done anything like that for us. The most important thing about it is, it wasn't three months later, Three months later, the gentleman goes home to be with the Lord. Now, that does more for you than any $1,000 paycheck that you got. I'm telling you, ministering to people is the thing that satisfies your heart. It satisfies your soul. It makes you lay in the bed at night and think, God, I did something today, didn't I? I actually did something today. It's the thing that gives you the peace that you're looking for. It's the thing that gives you that joy that gives you the peace and joy that you're looking for. So the hospitality team did that. This is what his hospitality team did. It says, Mark 14, verse 13. He sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the city, and there you shall meet, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever soever he shall go in, say you to the goodman of the house, the master says, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall, shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came to the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. 
Now you think, oh, well, that was Jesus. But what if they had not followed Jesus? Did you see how explicit that direction was that Jesus gave them on that? Go into the city, and you're going to meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he goes in, say to the good men of the house, where's your guest chamber? And then you're going to find a large upper room, furnish, prepare it, and make ready for us. Now, was that a pretty important meal? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was kind of an important meal. What if they wouldn't have listened? What if they'd have decided, you know, it's not that important that we do this right now. Maybe we could have our lunch first and we go in a few hours and do this. Would the guy with the picture still have been there? Huh? Sometimes it's important to do things just exactly the way that you're instructed to do them in order to get the results that you're supposed to get. That's what happens so many times in people's lives. They don't understand why the Bible is not working for them. Because they've been given explicit instructions. Go dip in the mud. Go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Not six and a half, not six and a quarter, seven times. Go march around those walls seven times. I don't want to march, I'll walk. Or I'll run. And I don't want to dip, I'll swim. And they change the instructions, and they bury the instructions, and they fix it the way that they want to fix it. And they wonder why things, they're not having the good life. But he prearranged for you to have the good life. But in order to have the good life, you got to do what he says to do. It's, it's really simple. That's the most wonderful thing about submission. It's grand and it's glorious. Let me tell you what it is. You never have to think. You just don't. He says, do this. Okay. Do it. He says, go here. Okay. Go here. He says, do this three times. Okay. You don't even have to wonder if you're going to miss it. You don't even have to wonder if you're going to screw it up. You don't even have to wonder if you're going to get it right on time or anything. You just have to do it. You don't even have to wonder if you're going to be held responsible for it. Because you're not. All you got to do is do it. He says, go to the city. Now, what if they went to the country? They would never have seen a guy with a picture. Is it important that you do things exactly the way that you're instructed to do them? Did he tell them all the end results of why that they had to do it that way? He ain't never going to do it. He ain't never going to tell you the end result. He ain't never told me, go to Branson, you're starting a church. He just said, go to Branson. 
He never told me five years ago when he told me to rent a house for my staff here in Florida to take a vacation and pay of my own personal money for them to take a vacation, every, uh, all of them. Just pay for them to go take a vacation every month down here in Sarasota. He never told me I was starting a church here in Sarasota. He told me to rent a house for them to go take a vacation every month. That's what he told me to do. I rented a house for my staff to be able to take a vacation out of our own personal money because some of them never got a vacation and you're a result of it. Now, what if we had not rented the house? You might not even be here. I, it would have been real easy to say, God, you know what? That's this much money. And you know what? They haven't been very good this year. <laughs> and you know what? I was planning on sowing that into somebody else. And you know what? They're going to miss this and this and this, and we're really going to need them, and it's going to put us behind here, and how are we ever going to work this out? And this one could get offended if they have to go with this one, and this one could get offended if they... God, how is this ever going to all work out? I didn't do it. I just, I just rented the house. For year after year. And the next thing I know, presto, a church with green chairs in it. And that's pretty much what happened. But it's the same way with you. Everybody is looking for the presto, but they don't want to do the first thing. And you got to start with the first step. you got to start where it looks dumb or looks stupid or looks... You remember the very first night I told you when the Lord dealt with us to go to Ramah and I said, we didn't talk all the way home? Remember that? Do you remember what I said, why we didn't talk? Because I said, have you ever felt like you knew that there was something that you were supposed to do and you just didn't want to do it. What if I just didn't do it? Because my flesh was screaming, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't you do it, don't you do it, don't you do it. You don't have the money, you ain't got the sense, they're going to call you a hillbilly. Not me, him. <laughs> but that's where we stay. If, we, if we're not really careful, the very first thing that happens when the Lord tells you to do something, the instant he tells you to do it, do it. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. He tells you to go get that job. 
Don't reason 62 things in your mind about why you ain't got the skills to do it, why you ain't got the smarts to do it, why you ain't got the good looks to do it, why you ain't got the whatever to do it. If God said do it, he'll give you the brains to do it. He'll put a new brain in your head if he's got to. He made the thing. He can do whatever he needs to do. He's smarter than you. He can show you how to read a building plan. There was one day here... I don't even know what was going on. One day here, it was something we were going to have to go to the city and change. I kid you not. It was like 12 things had been done wrong. And the guy that was doing it for us, he was here. And it was like, they are not going to change that. They are just not going to change it. There's no need in me going there. They're not going to change it. Y'all are going to have to spend all this money. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. Dave and I were talking about it. You're going to have to do this. And I just got quiet. And that morning I called Dave. I said, tell him to say this. Isn't that what I said? Tell him to say this. He told Dave, he said, I'll do it. He said, but if they don't do it, I'm going to be sitting on the front row your first service. He said exactly what I told him to say. They changed it. We didn't have to do it. It saved us. I don't know what all it saved us, but they had never done it before. And here we are. Then there was another thing. I mean, we didn't have a clue what to do. It was going to cost us $160,000, something like that. We didn't know what to do. He and I went and sat with this person for a few minutes. We thought, this is getting us nowhere. We just left. Then we prayed. Then he got a phone call. The Lord told him exactly what to say. He worded it exactly right. We didn't put any pressure on anybody. The next thing we know, well, we're going to change that for the whole city because of you guys. But you know what? It's not really because I'm God's favorite that they did that. It's because that's what God does for you when you do what he tells you to do. He will open everything that you need opened up if you just do what he tells you to do. And if he tells you to talk to that person or serve here or be here on Friday nights and be an usher or be here and clean on Thursday or be here and serve here or be here and serve there, do what he tells you to do and he will make a way for everything else that's going on in your life and you will never understand how it happens. I know we were so broke we couldn't rub two nickels together. And I tell you what, we weren't making any more money but everything was getting paid off. You don't know how God works it out. Your income is not any greater, but God is just taking care of everything for you. Do what he tells you to do the instant he tells you to do, exactly what he tells you to do, and everything will work out. Do you believe that? Stand up with me. We'll cover some more of these teams maybe next time. we got some good ones still to cover. We even have an usher team on here, so we'll see what they do. But don't be concerned if you make a mistake. Even Jesus' service teams makes mistakes. So everybody has been known to make a mistake. So even Dave, look at him. We've all made them. But we'll get it right. But the most wonderful thing, again, is doing anything that you can do that affects somebody's lives. We're here not to pay our light bill. We're here to minister to people. And... uh, 
You should be looking for everything that you do every day to find out who you're supposed to be ministering to and why you're in that store, why you stopped at that gas station, why you stopped at that grocery store, why you stopped. And see, just check your heart as you're going along. Is You know, don't just be blaring in somebody's face and scare them. But if there is something that you're supposed to do, smile. Just a smile sometimes is just what somebody needs, you know. And uh, be willing to do and be the witness for what God needs you to be for him. All right?